0: you. Other papers? That's it. (laughs) Okay, then. Ah, Do you feel like I'm being nice or mean? With... Okay, you don't feel like I'm a drug addict giving you just these little ta- – I mean, a drug pusher giving you these little tastes of extensions and um, delayed quizzes and so on, and then you just get into more – I'm not like a credit card company.
1: <laughs>
0: okay, I'm glad you – good, <laughs> because I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying. I know it's a lot of reading, but it's also – it's like reading for the rest of your life. It's really – it will make the rest of your life better. Look at me, you can see how good my life is And you know why? <laughs> because of this Because I read all this stuff That's why Just think how cruddy my life would have been Without having read all this stuff <laughs> Okay um, How far are we now? So, I, so I, I'm gathering that, that like Half of the people who are here today Are finished um, How many people are at least halfway through Inferno? How many people got to Ulysses? How many people? Okay, so even the even those of you who took the quiz are yes,
1: I, I okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: okay. So how many people are at least halfway through Inferno? Okay. Um, how many people? Uh, I don't know what to ask you. Uh, are you liking it? Okay. I. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, the, there are different kinds of comments in the commentary. Um, some of them are will get you very, into very great detail about Florentine politics um, and church politics in the 13th century. And if that's not the kind of thing that you have yet developed expertise on... You might find some of that um, both long and confusing. A whole lot of the reason that people know 13th century Italian politics so well is because Dante scholars um, have, um, from from 1300 on, Dante scholars have um, been writing notes about Dante, figuring out what he was referring to, and so on. Um, so there's a, so the history is actually known in considerable detail. Um, but uh, partly it's known in considerable detail Because people figured it out for Dante um, Those notes on a first reading of Dante Are probably um, unless, a pa- unless you find a passage really arresting um, They're probably not going to be The most interesting notes um, Someone who's actually not here today Emailed me to ask whether he should be reading um, All the notes really carefully um, What I would say is no Um, but you should um, read the notes about people or things that you've heard of that you um, may feel like, obviously, I should know who this is. Um, I know I should know this person's famous. I don't know, but this note will tell me. That will be good. Um, Probably among the people you may not have heard of, um, Ugolino and Bruno Latini are the ones that um, you should read uh, the notes about. Um, Bruno Latini was Dante's teacher, um, and and Ugolino is um, the figure, one of the figures near the end, um, who is in a particular. <laughs> were, were you chomping your chompers in a particularly vivid scene um, near the end? Um, but one of the things um, that, but you know, if, if you see notes on. Classical figures, some of them you should know. I mean, I hope that part of what was happening as you read this was um, that you saw how Dante is consolidating a whole lot of stuff that you have learned um, in the last couple of months. um, That a lot of people you've already met are showing up now in the Inferno. Um, Homer and Plato and um, figures from Homer and Plato and Virgil uh, most prominently, but also Dido. Um, and, and um, many, many other figures that, that you already know of. Um, then there are obviously great classical figures that in the full-year version of this course we would have read, um, but there is no full-year version of this course. There used to be before you were born, um, but um, um, that nevertheless uh, you will have heard of, even if you haven't read them, and the notes on them are probably... Useful, uh, that is both figures from uh, the classics and and famous people from history. Um, what's famous to Dante, obviously is not going to be the same set of um, people who are famous to us. But what Dante is doing um, is kind of a, a full spectrum score settling in the Inferno, um, which is to say that for him, you know, as for us on election day, They're local, um, uh, I think the technical word is assholes, um, whom we're filled with rage against. And then there are people like John Wilkes Booth, whom we're also filled with rage against. Uh, Maybe less rage, even though what he did was worse. Yeah. Yeah,
1: I mean, as we're just reading this, I was kind of wondering, I mean, was this the cause of his banishment, or was a
0: least cause of his banishment? No, he he wrote this after his banishment.
1: This was inventing?
0: This was inventing? Um, oh, him venting. Yes. So um, some of it is venting against against the evil people who are now running Florence um, and who got to run Florence because of the evil things that they did in order to get to run Florence. Um, some of them are, as um, those of you who took the quiz today will remember, some of them are already in hell, even though their bodies are going around still talking on Earth. Um, that's a kind of vivid and interesting conception on Dante's part. But no, this is, you can you can maybe see what it is in his character that would cause him to get heavily politically involved and to get banished if he was on the wrong side of something. Um, you can see that from this. But I think on the other hand, um, and uh, this is repeating something I said before, um, one of the things about Dante is the pity that he shows to people um, whom God does not pity, whom God um, sends to hell. And um, that's something that Virgil rebukes him for from time to time. Um, that Dante um, feels pity for people whom justice is punishing. So Dante, the speaker, the figure um, who is traveling through through um, these this other world, um, is actually in a lot of ways a more. Um, s- shows and therefore deserves more sympathy um, than you might expect from the unsympathetic portraits he gives of of those he thinks are genuinely evil. Now, to, to say that Brutus or Judas are genuinely evil or Cain is genuinely evil, um, that's not too many people are going to disagree. You might disagree about Brutus. No one is going to disagree about Judas or, um, or Cain or maybe even Cassius. Um, but to put Bruno Latini in hell... Uh, Dante's not happy about that, um, and Bruno Latini is um, someone that he respected enormously and who taught him, um, as he essentially says, practically everything that he knows. Um, do people remember why he's in hell? Yeah. With Emily? Yeah, sodomy. So he's in hell for being gay. Um, it's a sin of incontinence and a sin against himself. Um, according to the church. But then one thing you can see is that Dante himself doesn't seem homophobic. So um, you have to ask yourself, well, Dante's not homophobic. God is. Um, what? Who's right? And um, that question, it's also going to be a question in Paradise Lost. Um, it's Dante's scholars... Um, have a little bit of an easier time with Dante than um, with Milton, um, for reasons that I hope we'll get to in a minute. But, but the general question is the question that you get at the beginning of Paradise Lost. Um, Milton was Milton read Dante. I mean, obviously everyone is always reading the the precursors in in this, but Milton is doing something very similar to Dante, and it's worth seeing. Um, what Milton thinks one of the great questions that he will seek to answer is um, partly because he, his version of Dante, is also asking and trying to answer the question. So the question is this um, this is a really deep question about personal identity and um, judgment of justice. So let's bring this back for a minute to Plato. Then we really have to go to the tapes. But let's bring this back um, a minute to Plato. One of the dialogues we didn't read is a dialogue called Euthyphro. Um, the Mino, actually, the sequence of dialogues which lead to Socrates' execution. Um, the Mino is the second of that sequence, because that's the one where um, Enidus comes in and um, gets angry at Socrates and, and um, soon denounces him for corrupting the youth. Before Socrates speaks to Mino, about what virtue is. He speaks to Euthyphro about what piety is. Um, and Euthyphro basically says, Mino says that for some people virtue is piety. Euthyphro says what piety is, um, is, conform, is conforming to the will of the gods. Um, what justice is, is whatever the gods say. And the great question in Euthyphro that Socrates turns it around to is, do the gods say you? Or let's just put it in terms of God, because that's how Milton will, and that's pretty much how Socrates will also. Does God command what He commands because those commands are just, or are those commands just because God says they're what you're supposed to do? In other words, the question is: Are the gods? Are the gods just? Or do the gods get to define what justice is? If God says burning newborn infants is just, does his decision that burning newborn infants is just, does that decision make it just or not? Those of you who've read Huck Finn will know that the climactic moment of Huck Finn is the moment when Huck says he's not going to return Jim. How many people have read this? So do you you know the moment I mean? Um, That, yeah, he says, all right then, I'll go to hell. Um, That is, he does the right thing believing that God will punish him for doing the right thing. So if you believe that God will punish you for doing the right thing, then what you're doing is you're separating the idea of justice from the idea of God. And you're saying you can conceive of the Judeo-Christian God as being unjust. Um, You can conceive of justice as a separate thing from God. Um, Other people will say, no, if God says it, it's just. God's omnipotence is such, God's, uh, God's ability to make things so is such that God can determine the truth. Of anything. He can make anything that he wants true. And if he says burning babies is just, and if he makes that true, then it is just. And a lot of people, Leibniz most famously, but a lot of people, this is something Voltaire Voltaire parodies in Candide, um, um, Leibniz and others will make that argument that God, if God says it's just, you can count on it being just. All is for the best in this best of all possible worlds. Um, Leibniz is actually a little bit more subtle than I'm making him out to be. But um, but the basic question in Paradise Lost is the most famous um, line, might be the most famous line in Paradise Lost, um, is that Milton, um, uh, Milton says at the end of the invocation to book one um, that he is pursuing um, things unattempted yet in prose and mine and and rhyme, um, as he um, justifies the ways of God to men. That's what his poem means to do—to um, justify the ways of God to men. Um, later in a later poem, Samson Agonistes, um, he um, will the chorus in that poem. That poem is based on Greek drama. The chorus in that drama will say just are the ways of God and justifiable to men. Um, so the second version, just are the ways of God and justifiable to men, um, says two different things. One, God is just. And two, men can be shown that God is just. In Paradise Lost, it's Milton simply says that the poem will justify the ways of God To Um, And now what we can ask is in that line, justify the ways of God to men, that line is ambiguous because it could mean justify to humans all the ways of God or it could mean justify to the entire universe, to anyone who sits in judgment, the way God treats us. So it could be that the um, that as we algebraists say, we justify quantity the ways of God to men, or it could be we justify to men the ways of God. In one reading of the line, men are the objects of what God does. God has has caused pain, but the pain that He's caused can be justified to any rational creature, to angels, to um, pure intellects to deep blue to any rational creature. Um, God does does certain things to men that we may not like, but at least the way he treats men, that can be justified. The question about how he treats animals, how he treats um, um, aliens um, on other planets, how he treats the angels, that's not the issue and Milton isn't going to justify his ways to animals or to aliens or to rebel angels. He's only going to justify the ways of God to men. The other possibility is um, all of God's ways are just and men are in a unique or in a particularly good position to judge whether God is just or not. Now, these two things, you can't separate them out cleanly and Milton doesn't want to. But what he is saying is that on some level and to the extent that we are able to act as judges, we will find that God's ways really are just. Not that something is just because God says so, but that if we look at what God does, we can see that his ways are just, and it's not because he says, Behold, my ways are just, but because we have within ourselves a conception of justice which is independent of our conception of God, and then it turns out that God is the figure who fulfills that justice. Just as we might have within ourselves a conception of um, um of size or of infinity, and then God would be the being who is infinite. But we have the we have an independent conception of in, infinity from our conception of God. We can think infinity without thinking God. We can think God without thinking infinity, as Homer did. Um, and but it but now we can see we can make a judgment. God is infinite. In the same way, we can think of justice without thinking of God. We can think of God without thinking of justice, as Homer did. And then. We can see, Milton says, after reading his argument, that God actually is just. Other people will say you can't think of justice without thinking of God, because the very idea of justice is just. justice is a name for what God wills, pure and simple. Now, if justice and God are separate, which is what Milton is implying, that gives a whole lot of range to human judgment. That is, we are asked, Milton is asking us to use our own thinking to decide whether or not God is just. We get to decide. And there's a right answer. It's not that we get to decide and if we find him unjust, um, then too bad for God. Um, Milton thinks there is a right answer, but he also thinks it's, it's human beings are able to answer this without simply saying because God said so. That in fact, if you were to say something is just because God says so, you yourself would not be just. That wouldn't be a just way of judging in a case, let's say the case of God versus man, or God versus Adam and Eve, or God versus Satan. If you just say, of course God is right, goes without saying, um, then you're being unfair and unjust. Justice demands that you consider whether God is just or not God doesn't demand it justice demands it so that le- that means that for Milton and this is also what Milton thinks is going on in Dante for Dante um, there's independence of mind to be found in the major human figure from whose point of view we are seeing these events there is independence of mind in that figure and you can see that independence of mind, and you'd better be able to see that independence of mind when you see Dante feeling differently about the damned from the way God seems to feel about the damned. When Dante feels pity for those whom God does not pity. Now, the... yeah. So what are the ones what's an example? I mean
1: it really distinct to
0: mine. I mean the platter, um what else are is it, is it? the counterfeiters might um are really treated badly. I think that's a really good question. So the the question is he ironic? Is um, does he um, believe some of this is, is overdone? That is, does he Dante the traveler uh, versus Dante the poet, um, or, or maybe not versus? Think that some of this is overdone. Um, I want to say that I think that that um, let me just let me just wrap up this this part of the spiel. Um, that um, Dante solves the problem um, very differently from Milton, which is to say, um, and we'll get to that in a second, but, but the um, crucial thing is that by the time you get to the center of the world, um, we're spiraling downwards. Um, it's a very interesting spiral because the closer you get to the center, the longer it takes, to get there but we spiral downwards to the center of the world where Satan pierces the world and up becomes down and down becomes up did everyone could everyone follow how that works it's sort of if you've seen 2001 it's like the great scene in 2001 when the stewardess brings some food to the pilots and she starts walking up and the whole scene flips that is suddenly when you pass through the center of the world um upside down becomes right side up or right side up becomes upside down um When we converge on that point at the center of the world, Satan's crotch, when we converge on Satan's crotch, Dante and God are at one in their judgment. So the convergence, there's no question of Satan's evil. Um, There's no question in Dante that here you have um, pure evil. Those questions are there all the way through Eucalinos. Ugolino um, is, I think, the last person in hell we feel pity for. Um, and I think we do feel... Well, I think we feel pity. I think Dante feels pity for him also. Yeah. Are, are you saying that
1: uh, you don't feel that Dante, Dante, whatever, there pity for the
0: devil? Yes. Do you disagree? Yeah, I
1: think Really? Yeah. Paper
0: um, topic, dude. I mean, you
1: know, it starts talking about how he was much, you know, when when the earth falls out get, uh-huh. He's just covered in this water. Yeah. You know, flapping his wings trying to escape. What holds the devil there is his own wings bringing the, that water to ice. Yes. There's there's something so terribly sad about that. And I mean, you know, I'm not saying oh. that that there's nothing I mean, obviously it was the freaking devil, but <laughs> on the other hand, I mean there there is this level of this this individual who's stuck, crying, forced to gnash on these souls, and forced to be, you know, this thing of all evils. I mean, not not that you know there is also the level where he maybe wants to be, but there is misery in there. But I think Dante pities, and I think that's why the world turns upside down. Well, why Dante even go out? And as Virgil says, he led through hell to go home.
0: Huh? You you have well. Okay, this is interesting. I do disagree. So, um, it's so what if, if you want a paper topic, it's a good one. Um, but obviously, reread carefully. But I think what I would say, just the other case, the one for you to disagree with is um, obviously the um, the devil is a parody, or is the the antipodes of the Holy Trinity. And again, that suggests the way that everything is funneling in to that center. Um, that is that um, all the different kinds of sin and evil reduced to three that are three in one, um, just as God is three in one as well. Um, so the mystery of the Trinity, lots of people were burnt at the stake for not understanding it, um, but the, the mystery of the satanic Trinity uh, might be a little bit of an easier one. Um, because it's all evil reflects the devil or comes out of the devil, but you get it down to three and then to one um, as the devil himself. And that, I would say, at least structurally, give me that. Um, I mean, we do disagree, but at least give me structurally. There is this funneling towards a single point, towards um, the, towards the point from which everything um, um, extends as a vector or as a ray towards the surface of the earth, Emily.
1: Yeah. Uh, he, he, yes. You know, church
0: people he for like Okay. Well, okay, that's that that's interesting. Um, it's do you think that Dante the Dante and Virgil are pitying him as they get to him? I mean to me he's he's simply a monster. He's depicted as simply a monster. The Monster Satan? No,
1: that he um, imprisoned by his own actions kind of like, birthed, like personal,
0: Yeah, and really yeah. And, like, Um. Well, where did he come up with any of this? It's actually pretty amazing um, I mean, Dante's visual imagination and you haven't seen anything yet about his visual imagination but his visual imagination is unbelievable um, That is really this is, uh, this is almost like the first bit of science fiction ever written Um, That is what it's like under the earth and the landscape, the more and more barren but also more stunning landscape that you get there. I mean, it really is, even though it occurs in the center of the earth, it really is like science fiction going to another planet and getting the description of those landscapes in another planet. So where did he come up with it? Um, James Merrill will say from some um, um, unexposed portions of his own soul. That is, that what he's, what he's diving down to is his own soul. Um, let me just say that what he's also going through, I mean, it's the landscape of hell, the landscape of, of the entire, um, of the three other worlds, but the landscape of hell, um, as you've seen it so far, is partly Dante going into his own life and settling scores. We talked about that. It's partly Dante going into history. Um, and the history of his own family but also the history of Italy and the history of the Roman Empire and the history of the battles um, between the Pope and the Emperor and various other things like that but it's most importantly at least for our purposes maybe not for his but for our purposes it's Dante going into the history of literature there's something utterly amazing you know this is this is what, what Jasper Fjord can only dream of there's something utterly amazing about his entering into another world and meeting Virgil and then Virgil introducing him to Homer and Lucan and Ovid and Horace and and, and, um, and then Dante saying, and then we talked about, uh, we, we, we had a discussion about poetry, um, which I'm not going to say here because that was really, that's beyond anything that um, I can share with y'all um, when the six of us talked about poetry. Um, and then he meets great Writers and their great creations. Um, it's just an amazing thing to think of that kind of entry into. Again, the, the, co- the contemporary version of this is some version of virtual reality. Um, that is that what Dante has done is entered into a virtual reality game. There actually is, isn't there? A, a new game that's just been released called Dante's Inferno. When you type in
1: Dante to, uh, Dante's Inferno, the people, that's actually the first,
0: that's the first thing. thing that comes up. <laughs> um. Yeah. Yes. When they finally find the source of the river, I guess where the flood comes
1: from. Uh huh. Does the river
0: flow off? Well, it it's it's confusing. Um, they get to the bottom. It 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 feels like it's flowing. Um, I think it's geographically confusing because somehow what they do is they get, let's say, to the tops of Satan's feet, which are now upwards. um, And then they start descending a little bit from there. um, And it's as though the landscape descends a little bit and then he blacks out. Um, That is... Or or we black out. The the poem blacks out. He goes through a kind of cavern um, and then we um, get to purgatory at the beginning of the next one. Um, So which way is the river flowing? Um, it's meandering somehow but it's obscure, you're right um, but it's, it's good that you're trying um, uh, but I think it's intentionally obscure, that's part of the point of um, the cave in the center of the earth there's also, Dante is probably thinking of the cave of the nymphs there in the Odyssey that we didn't talk about at all, but which um, is, is a very short um, description of a part of a place in Ithaca as Odysseus is returning home um, it's just six or seven lines long, but became an amazingly important image for Neoplatonist philosophers who thought that that Plato, that Plato Homer was actually a philosopher saying the same thing as Plato did um, and gets a whole lot of um, very elaborate um, allegorical reading later. Um, okay, the question then about... Let's just say that structurally, whether... So maybe this is partly a question of saying where would the irony be? Um... But structurally, or let's say from Virgil's point of view, Virgil is much less pitying than Dante, except for Dante. Virgil has pity for Dante, but not so much for anyone in hell. Some people in hell somewhat, but not that much for anyone in hell, partly because Virgil is in hell. That is to say, um, Virgil doesn't pity them because, to some extent, he's in the same boat. He's not above them. Pity suggests that you're looking at someone um, who is in a worse situation than you. Um, For everyone, the worst thing about being in hell is being separated from God. That's what's bad about it. Um, Everything else is an add-on, and those add-ons, they really do accumulate. Um, They get pretty hairy, um, literally, when it comes to Satan's wings, um, by the time you get down to the lower reaches of hell. But the worst thing of all is being separate from God. Yeah.
1: Um, I know. I just feel like the pity thing was really interesting because, I mean, I definitely felt a lot of pitying people. I was reading and you know, having a hard time remembering what you told them last week, like, these people are bad. But, I mean, pity No, no, no. Uh, I
0: pity them, too.
1: No, I know, I know. But, like, you still have to remember that they're they're bad people. But, like, with pity, um, you know, you're not only feeling sorry for someone, you're feeling, you know, feeling above them. But, then yeah. I mean, you know, like, I would probably be in hell for, like, heresy. So, it's like, we're not even... I mean, how many of us would be in hell?
0: that like, yeah. like, You know, we like, do we even deserve to be pitying them? Like, probably <laughs> really <I> not. <laughs> um, you don't You don't pity your classmates? That's well, no. <laughs>
1: that's, I mean, I think we're
0: probably we all... Okay, no, I yeah, and that, I think that's a that's a really good and, and um, apt response to Dante as well. That is, that these are things you're supposed to be thinking about. Um, but look, let's go look at... Um, the in a way the most important thing um to to get what's going on in Inferno um is the beginning of canto 3 um so um the I mentioned last time, and I, I, I didn't quite get a chance to say this, but I mentioned last time that the last word of all three cantos is stars. Um, and that that provides a kind of um, meta or mega rhyme among the three cantos. That here you have this thing written in rima, and there's a sort of absolute rhyme in the word stars Um, with the end of, um, not Canto's books, the end of Inferno, the end of Purgatoria, the end of Paradiso. Um, I wanted to add that um, Christ is used as a rhyme word um, a couple of times, but he is never mentioned in Inferno. So that's another um, just neat, typically Dantesque thing to observe that he doesn't draw your attention to. How could he? Um, But that the word, the name Christ, never appears in Inferno. And the way you might notice this is when it does appear at the end of a line, which it will in Purgatorio and in Paradiso, Christ rhymes only with Christ. That is, you get a terza rima where the middle line is Christ and then the two ends with the word Christ and then the two um, um, outer lines of the next stanza also end with the word Christ, and every time that happens, you get the triplet of Christ You don't, because to rhyme Christ with anything else you can see um, what that would do to it um, so that's um, an important thing to see um, just, we're going to get back to um, um, Pella and Francesca in a minute but if you just go and look at Pella and Francesca in Canto, what? Anyone know? Canto 5. This is page 96. If you have the Hollanders, um, and it's um, line 100. Um, Dante's line numbers are never, are often not insignificant. Um, I don't think that anyone has ever figured out exactly why. Each canto has just the number of lines that it has, and that may not be a very great interest. But if something happens at line 100, it's at least worth noticing that it's happening at line 100. Usually it won't be that big a deal, but just notice it. So at line 100 of Inferno 5, um, Francesca is speaking, and she says, um, Love, at line 100, Quick to kindle in the gentle heart. Then at line 103, love, which absolves no one beloved from loving. And then line 106, love brought us to one death. Um, So here you have a kind of reverse of the rhymes on stars and Christ which is you have the opening words of three stanzas in a row are the words love. Um, if you look at the Italian on the left-hand page, amor, amor, amor. And one reason to look at the Italian is to see that line 106 is, is the great line, love brought us to one death, love conducted us at to a single death um, is, is um, what's being emphasized there. Um, in Italian, that's Amore conduce noi ad una morte. And what can you hear in the, in the phrase una morte? One, one death, but you hear love there again too. Un amorte. Um, so love and death are being rhymed in the story of Paolo and Francesca. Rhymed isn't quite the right word there, but metaphorically rhymed, figuratively Rhymed. So she's pushing hard on love as she describes um, what's happened uh, between them. Um, If you go now back to Canto 3, suddenly, out of nowhere, we get the gate to hell. Um, And um, Dante tells it to us and then tells us what he's seeing. Through me. The way to the city of woe, which we will see later. Through me, the way to eternal pain. Through me, the way among the lost. Um, the lost people, actually, is what the Italian says. Um, Samuel Beckett, anyone a reader of Beckett here? Um, Beckett has... Um, a great late prose narrative called The Lost Ones um, and he's thinking of this um, the first sentence in, in Beckett's first, first um, fiction that he published in his lifetime, I'm choosing my words carefully because it was only published much later but the first sentence of anything that he himself published is the sentence it actually has to do with Paradiso but it's um, it was morning and laqua was stuck in the first of the canty of the moon um, so the first sentence Beckett ever published, um, in a story called Dante and the Lobster was about his hero, whose name is Balacqua. Some of you may re- remember that name from His Dark Materials. Um, Beckett's hero, Balacqua, um, is reading Dante. It's morning, and he's trying to read Dante and he gets stuck in a passage in Dante. Um... And so then later you get Beckett writing The Lost Ones. And he also wrote a piece called How It Is, which is also very uh, much indebted to Dante. So, through me, the way among the lost ones, among the lost people. And then justice, which is what we've been talking about. about. Justice moved my maker on high. So what does that tell you now about justice and God? Justice moved my maker on high. That they're different. Yeah, really, right there, they're different. Justice moved my maker on high. So there is something that can move God. He's not an unmoved mover. He's moved by justice. Justice moved my maker on high. Divine power made me. Wisdom supreme and primal love. So he was made by justice, by power, and by primal love. The love we will see later in the last line of um, Paradiso, the love that moves the sun and other stars. Um, I should tell you because no one knows this unless um, you're a historian of science um, or unless... uh, You had some reason, like me, to figure this out. It was only around 1700 that people realized that the other stars were suns. Um, This was not known until the 18th century. Um, One person had guessed it in 1600, um, Bruno. um, But the the stars were not known to be suns like our sun until the 18th century. Um, So you should know this when you read... Um, pre-18th century literature. Um, actually, the philosopher Immanuel Kant was one of the first people to make an argument that the stars were suns. Um, he was an astronomer b- before he became a philosopher. Um, but this is very, very hard to remember. We're so used to knowing that, that our sun is a sun like other stars or that other stars are suns like our sun. Um, that wasn't known until recently, uh, much later than you would think. That They knew the Earth was round much earlier than you would think, but they didn't know that other stars were suns until really very, very recently. Um, So when Dante talks about stars, he's not thinking about suns. There's only one sun for him. Um, So that's just a footnote for you to know. Um, So wisdom, supreme, and primal love made me. Later, that will be the love in the last line, as I say, that moves the sun and other stars. Before me, nothing was but things eternal. Um... Yeah, that's a really bad translation. What do you have in Mandelbaum? Oh, it's not. Who is that? Really? Okay, so what do you have? Um... Huh. Oh, okay. We're made. Yeah, okay. The the we're made, um the um that really matters. Um I think it literally would be I could be wrong about this. I have to ask my mother. Mine says
1: before me were no things created like
0: for me. Yes, okay. Yeah, that's much more accurate. So whose translation is that? i Never heard of family. Okay. Yeah. Before me, there were no created things, if not eternal. I think that's actually, I wonder if there should be a note on that, but, um, basically he's hedging the question whether there were eternal things in the universe that were uncreated, just like God. This is going to be a question in Milton also. Um, Milton, um, again, just to, just to start alerting you to that Milton does not believe that God has free will. Um, his conception of justice means God can't have free will because God always has to do what's just. Um, Now, that's maybe putting it a little bit harshly, but only a little bit. Um, You can always tell what God will do because God will always do what's just. And so God is entirely predictable in Milton, and that may suggest that he doesn't have free will. Um, Milton also doesn't believe that, we talked about this a little bit before, Milton does not believe that God created the world out of nothing. Um, what he believes we talked about this when we were talking about Ovid is that God created the world out of chaos out of the chaos of matter um, without form and that that chaos the realm of chaos and eternal night that that chaos um, existed um, forever didn't, never came into being um, and Milton also thinks that light existed forever but that's because God existed forever light is a trickier question Um Dante is avoiding answering that question with the word if, I believe. Um, So before me, nothing was, um, uh, before me there were no created things, if not eternal ones. That is, there might have been created things, um, but if they were created, they were eternal. So um, before the creation of the gates to hell, all things in the universe were eternal things. Um, so that suggests that the creation of the gates of hell happened really early. It was the first non-eternal thing created, the first thing that hadn't always existed that was created. Yeah. Um. In my version, it's a
1: little bit of different So, um, before me, there were no created things.
0: Um, yeah, th- and that's the and I and I last forever as well. That is the gates to hell also last forever. Um, so they will last forever. Um, they will. They um, hell will never be destroyed. Um, and then abandon all hope, you who enter here. That very famous um, single tag line. So the real puzzle here, or the really important thing here, is to see why love would have built the gates to hell Um, it makes sense to say that justice and divine power did it but why love? yeah uh huh uh huh Um yeah. Okay. Um Divine Wisdom is the Sun really? No,
1: Divine
0: is the Okay, I would probably that may be that may be right. Um I would probably at a first guess reverse the Holy Spirit and the Sun in that. But clearly there is a it's it's yet another Trinity in Dante. Um, and all trinities ultimately refer to the trinity um, which is father, son and holy spirit um, so yeah your teacher was right and probably righter than I am if I want to reverse them um, but still there's, there's the question so we can answer the question why love because we can say yeah it was built by the trinity but there's still a theological and philosophical question why would love do this how is it that love can be the builder of hell um, as I quoted Shelley for you before from his great poem "The Triumph of Life," where um, he describes a wonder worthy of the rhyme, whom love led serene through deepest hell and through all glory, and who returned to tell in words of hate and all the wondrous story how all things are transfigured except love so Shelley's quick summary in Terza Rima of Dante's divine comedy um, was that Dante told in words of hate the wondrous story how all things are transfigured except love Um, Dante's tone, especially when he's at his cruelest or his angriest his most score-settlingest is something that Shelley calls words of hate and awe. Um, Awe is a bad word for Shelley also. It means that you're letting someone else um, dictate um, what you should be as a person. Um, But he tells the wondrous story how all things are transfigured except love. So the puzzle here is how is love, which is the essential thing in the Divine Comedy, that's why it's love that moves the sun and other stars. How is love the builder of Um, To, again, to bring Milton into this, because Milton is is looming um, larger and larger for us, Um, Milton, in a poem where we um, won't read, um, describes in one of his accounts of Orpheus and Eurydice, um, in the poem um, uh, L'Allegro, he describes how um, Eurydice... Um, no, actually, it's in Penseroso. He describes how Orpheus went down to hell um, to, to try to get Eurydice back. And in that account, he says that what, that what poetry did and what Orpheus did was he made hell grant what love did seek. He drew a tear down Pluto's iron cheek. There again, probably thinking of Dante. Um, he made a tear flow down Pluto's iron cheek till hell d- and made hell grant what love did seek. So Milton there is opposing hell and love, um, but the question, how can a God who is the culmination of love build hell? Dante faces that question very squarely here, and he says, love built hell. Love built the gates to hell. So you can say, yeah, because it's the Holy Trinity and love is one aspect of the Trinity, and so, sure, that goes without saying. But it doesn't go without saying. He says it. Emily. Mm-hmm. Okay, like, why love is over-connected to death? You don't know what something is, you know it's Like, you define love by what it's not. Okay. You define love by what it's not. So, lo- so one clear-cut way of understanding this is to say, yes, love is also what um, causes parents to make sure that their kids are in cribs so that they'll be safe. Hell is a place for quarantining. Hell is an act of love because it quarantines the evil so that the good can experience um, the love that they deserve. Um, So that might be a sufficient answer. Um, Julian, you mm-hmm. you Okay, good. Then I, I want to pick up on that. Yeah, Elon. How what? Yeah. And, you
1: know, and they're not really just, you know, having sex. They're both like a you kid. Know? Yes. And they're like, they fell in love and they kissed Yeah. So love and love are kind of the same. So if love is to another person, it can be
0: lust, but Love is to God. Good. Good. Yeah. I um, listen. I'm not quite sure how it's
1: to say it. But it says primal love. So maybe uh-huh. the same. Primal is the first love. Therefore, the full uh-huh. Because we learned, he really, um, in capital, he saved us from sin. Yes, of everything before. So maybe it's saying the love we had only for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, each of them yeah. love of money, love of Good. lies, love Good. of things, that came before this grand
0: love. Okay. Um, it's, I think, so what I want to suggest is... Um, uh, well, it's not only my suggestion. Um, I don't want to insist, but um, um, because it's for everyone to decide for themselves, but but um, what I strongly want to suggest is that there's only one kind of love in the universe. That's really important to Dante. His love for Beatrice, which is what drives the poem. That is, he's met her twice, she dies. Um, he's um, desperately in love with her in a way that you can only be, be desperately in love with someone you don't know. Um... And um, now she comes and sends Virgil down from heaven to save him from the hell he would otherwise go to. And that sensual, um, erotic love for Beatrice, I don't mean erotic as in um, over-21 erotic, um, I mean erotic as in, yeah, just, just eros um, is connected to love of God. They're not different for Dante. So the thing about hell is that the, um, best way to understand hell in Dante, um, so here's a little Midrash in Dante, um, everyone in Dante, everyone in Dante gets what they want. Those in hell want what they have. The punishment in hell is it turns out your idea of what you wanted was wrong. um, but all wishes are fulfilled in Dante. Um, that, it's a little bit... You know, a, a, a recent version of this is... Is uh, is it Click, that Christopher Walken, um, Adam Sandler movie, the one... Yeah, that's a version of that. Um, everyone in Dante is given one of those fast-forwarders. Um, and what everyone in hell has done is fast-forwarded themselves into hell. They got what they wanted. So... Um, Every single figure in Dante, their punishment in hell is to get what they wanted in spades. It's all the sorcerer's apprentice. Um, their punishment always fits the crime, and it fits the crime. The crucial term is the term contrapasso, which you will see um, um, uh, or have seen already in The Inferno. The contrapasso is essentially a punishment which is appropriate to the crime and appropriate to the crime because if you wanted something you get it and you turn out to have been wrong this is this goes back to the symposium this goes back to plato this goes back to the wrong ideas of love in the symposium what plato says is ultimately the only thing you can love is the good but anyone who thinks who mistakes the object of their love which is the good for something else not the good but another person or a child or money or power or um, or control over others they'll get what they wanted and then that'll turn out to be hellish if they get what they want yeah. exactly so if you go now to Paolo and Francesca who are um, so you can tell critics of Dante by what they think of Francesca Anyone who's against Francesca is a jerk. Um and there are alas many of them. Um book five. Um I don't think that
1: happened. You know the people where they are fortune tellers and things for feature them so they have their turn back.
0: Yes, and that's the contrapasso. But the idea is so so here's the question why did the fortune tellers have their heads turned backwards if they're supposed to get what they want yeah they wanted to see um, and they wanted to see with certainty um, that's how if you, if you define what they wanted as being able to see with certainty what was in front you can only do that by turning them around yeah Yeah. Um however there are things like the ones who are like um that is that right fire like nailed down to the floor with rain fire. Um the system against the Against Oh how how is that? How's that? Well, because the farther you get in Dante so remember you get from Sins of Incontinence where like Paolo and Francesca where you basically get what you want Um, you want to be with with Paolo forever, you're with him forever, Um, you're not separated from him Um, you go from Sins of Incontinence to Sins of Violence, those as you spiral downwards you're also um, spiraling towards an expansion of what you think the world should be like or the kind of world you're contributing to. So basically, the sins of incontinence are victimless crimes. And by victimless crimes, what that basically means is you're only messing with yourself by doing this. Um, and so the punishment is, okay, you want to mess with yourself? Mess with yourself. Um, you won't like it, but go ahead and do it. Do it. When you get to violence... What you're doing is you're messing with other people. So, you think violence is so good? Fine. Here's some violence for you. See what that's like. Then when you get to fraud, um, what you're doing is you're destroying values everywhere. You want to? Know, you, that's the kind of world you want to live in? You get to live in it. And when you get to treachery, it's again, that's the kind of world you want to live in? Fine. Treachery everywhere. Um... So it's partly the idea, again, think back on the symposium, and the idea, it's a tough philosophical idea to say what desire is. Um, that is to say, um, the reason it's a curse to, to someone to say, may you get what you desire, um, is because if you desire, for example, um, to scratch an itch, your desire is to scratch an itch. But you don't desire to abrade your skin. Um, and yet, the two things, one is a consequence of the other. So, des- whenever you get something you desire, a chain of causes is set up. And some of those, some of the later things along the chain are going to be more undesired than the very thing you desired was. That is, I really, really want this cigarette, but I really, really want to quit smoking, but I really, really want to be able to concentrate so I can pass my exam. But I really, really don't want to die of lung cancer. And so do you desire the cigarette or not? Um, in some way you do. Luckily none of you smoke, right? In some way you do. In some way you don't. Um, I really want to um, eat this, this cinnamon bun. Um, but I really don't want to make myself sick. But I really don't want to have to take my quiz tomorrow. So maybe I do want to make myself sick. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's just a chain of things that happen when you desire. So what happens in Dante, you could say, is that the chain of desires becomes more and more predictable as to how it's going to expand into the whole world and make the world a shitty place. So Paolo and Francesca, their desire leads to no big deal, um, except their own murder. Um, But that's kind of a victimless crime. But by the time you get to the betrayal of Christ... That's a universe-destroying crime, or at least it's a desire to destroy the whole universe to feed the universe to Satan. So, if the universe is going to be fed to Satan, you are too. You don't get you don't get um, um, exempt from that. <laughs> so, Satan needs you. Um, yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, I was wondering. Um, I've have, I have this you know this anti-essence version. I think it's the same you have. um the Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Um, And the opening lines of Canto 6 made me think, I think, something very different about Alan Francesco and uh, what's talking about. I was wondering if you could tell me what it says uh, in that version.
0: Um. Well, tell me what it was.
1: Okay. I mean, so um, I was looking at um, people in, you know, I guess it's the second ring of hell. Uh huh. Given um, for why, why they're in the second level, is you know, it's, um, it's around line 40 of Canto 5. It says, One of um, Canto 5. Yeah, it says, I, I learned that such a torment was designed for the damned who are wicked in the flesh who made their reason subject to desire.
0: Okay, wait, are we Canto 5 or Canto 6? Uh,
1: this is Canto 5, I'm, I'm leading into Canto All right, 6. wait. So, yeah, um, oh, okay. Sorry, no, no. I was
0: in the wrong canto. Um, mm-hmm. They who make reason subject to yeah. desire. Uh, I understood that such Shorman Yeah, the carnal slanders are condemned. They who make reason subject to desire. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, and this idea, you know, my my impression then with that line is that it wasn't lust that condemns people, but rather when lust overrules reason.
0: Well, that's what makes yeah. it lust rather than yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, but but I mean not. I'm not, I wasn't entirely certain about that because I mean, what it seemed you know at first just okay, two people who, who really like each other. You know, um, yeah, but one is married. Okay, but see the way that I I saw this later on. Um, so where I, are we now? My mind had shut its doors hitting those two kinsmen and their tale at the beginning of Canto six. That's, um. Yeah. Yeah. Um. The way I read those two kinsmen. Uh huh. Was as. Yeah, they're cousins, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, so, so it is that they, you know, their lust of a written by sending them to help for some incestual... No, no, it's
0: not. It's, it's cousins are fine. <laughs> um, okay. I mean, you think the value of something about... I mean, why that care a lot But that's... That's what... that That's why... It, yes Um, yeah uh, well
1: well,
0: but what's how the the reason if they were if they were unfaithful for a reason other than lust they would have gone farther down in hell Um, that is lust which is love which is erotic desire Um, that part is understandable it's acting on it when it, when such action is infidelity that's, that is what causes their punishment. Um, but Dante feels pity for them. Um, and Virgil rebukes that pity. Um, but it's not clear that we should. And one reason, I mean, not, let me just alert you to this, is that when we get to St. Francis in Paradise, um, Francesca and Francis, um, Francisco, are um, are going to be filiated, and um, what you will see is there's a, um, an odd version of this situation will reappear in paradise. Um, okay, look, let's go. There's there's an infinite amount that we haven't done, um, but at least I just want to draw, and will we'll. we'll um, move into purgatorio on friday. Uh I guess we'll talk a little bit more about inferno, but you should be not only reading yourself for your quiz, but reading purgatorio. We are this is a forced march through Dante, but um we really have no choice. Um and it's worth it as a first time through. It really is. And most people only read inferno. And that means most people only read the least interesting of the three cantos. I mean of the three that? books. Why? Because it's because it's vivid, everyone reads it, it's the first, you can't read the other two without the first. And the others, in a sense, are not as immediately gripping. Um You can't well it's basically you can't read the other it's it's like why do people see Godfather One and not God, Godfather Two? Mm-hmm. Even though Godfather Two is better. Because you have to see Godfather One first. All right. Um be ready for the quiz. I
1: feel so-